is a gift of God that we ought to be thankful for. So we ought to appreciate the gift of submissive faith. Tonight we're going to look at that same gift of faith in a, uh, from a different angle and see from Paul's prayers tonight that we ought to thank God for the gift not only of submissive faith, but also of enduring faith. This comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, where Paul writes, For now we live. He says, For now, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, and then to finish the sentence, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So here, Paul is lifting up a prayer of appreciation for the gift of enduring faith that God gives to those who are in Christ Jesus. But before we proceed any further tonight, let's just ask the Lord to unite our hearts to fear his name as we study his word. Let's pray. Father, I just... Thank you so much for the great encouragement it is to come together tonight to gather around your word and to meditate on the things that you have given us here in your word. Father, we thank you for how it shows us the glory of Christ and we thank you for how it shows us the gifts that we have received in him. Father, I pray that as we study this passage tonight, you would remind us once more afresh how we have nothing to boast in in ourselves, but our boast is grounded firmly and solely on Jesus Christ and the riches of His grace. And so, Father, uh, humble us and invigorate us with a fresh glimpse of the gift of enduring faith tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writes there in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? Paul is saying that he thanked God with all joy when he thought of those Thessalonian believers. Why? Because Paul mentions back in verse 8, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. See, if it was as if Paul had been in deadly fear that those Thessalonian believers might not be standing firm or fast. That they might not be enduring in their faith. And by the way, can I just say, that is a concern that an under-shepherd always has towards those that he's been entrusted to under his care. After all, Jesus himself said in the parable of the soils in Matthew 13, 21, that there is a type of faith that springs up for a while, but then later, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, Jesus says that person immediately falls away. It's like the warning of Mr. Byans that uh, John Bunyan wrote about in his book, The Pilgrim's Progress. I'm going through a kid's version of it right now with the kids. And... uh, Mr. Byans, in that story, called himself a Christian, and he would feign to follow Jesus, John Bunyan says, when the sun was shining, but as soon as the storms came and the rain fell, he'd retreat back to his original town of fair speech, and he would give up following Jesus Christ until the weather became easier and life became more favorable. 
Bunyan makes it obvious that though he called himself a pilgrim, Mr. Byans was no pilgrim, and he had no faith at all, and it was evident because he had no endurance. He had no endurance. As soon as difficulty came, he fell away. He was a fair-weather follower. Paul was concerned about this. As you kind of study what happens here in 1 Thessalonians, and by the way, I want, to, I want you to say that if you don't have your Bible open, get it open, rather than just looking up on the screen, because we're going to look at a lot of context here tonight. Paul was concerned that the Thessalonians might have been a bunch of Mr. Byans, that they might have been a bunch of shallow soils, that they might have been a bunch of people who, as Paul says elsewhere, received the good news of God's grace, but received it in vain. Paul talks like that in 2 Corinthians and the book of Galatians. As As Peter says in the first chapter of his first epistle, you don't really ever know the genuineness of one's faith until it is tested. Until it is tested. And the Thessalonians, Paul knew, were being tested. They had started off, in fact, right off the bat. Paul says back in chapter 2, verse 2 of this letter, that when the gospel of God was first delivered to them, it was declared, quote, in the midst of much conflict. And he wasn't kidding. If you study the context in Acts chapter 17, what you find out is that when Paul started reasoning from the scriptures with the Thessalonian Jews that Jesus was the Christ who had been foretold, who would die on the cross and rise from the dead, people started coming to Jesus Christ all over the town. And verse 5 says the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd and they threatened those who had recently given their life to Jesus Christ. So that's how the church in Thessalonica began. It began in a mob. It began in a riot. It began with a threatening to kill those who had trusted in Jesus. And evidently after Paul had to leave the persecution in Thessalonica continued because Paul says in chapter 2 verse 14 of this letter you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. So evidently not only had the Thessalonians been persecuted by the Jews but their own Gentile countrymen were beginning to persecute them as well and turn on them in fact we learn from their second epistle that paul writes to the thessalonians that their testing had become so severe that they actually wondered whether they were living in the final day of the lord already and had somehow missed the promised deliverance of the lord and so out of great concern for their spiritual state Paul sends Timothy, as verses 1 through 5 of 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, he sends Timothy, it says there at the end of verse 2, in order to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one may be moved by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you no. That was always the message of the apostles. Uh, Acts 14.22 indicates that the apostles would go among the churches and they would strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. In other words, this is part and parcel of the Christian life, of following Jesus Christ. As 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul was not surprised that persecution had come upon the Thessalonians. What he was concerned about, though, 
was how the Thessalonians were responding to that persecution. How, whether or not they were enduring in the midst of it, because it is through, and he was concerned about that, because it is through supernatural endurance that a believer shows the genuineness of their faith. It is through supernatural endurance that the believer shows the genuineness of their faith. As Colossians 1, 22-23 says, God has now reconciled you to himself by Christ's death. Listen to this. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Right? That is why Hebrews 10.36 says that we as believers have need of endurance. Why? Because endurance is the fruit of faith. It is the indication that God has hold of you. That God has hold of you. And so this is why Paul was repeatedly concerned about this virtue of enduring and standing firm in your faith. You will see it in almost every single one of his letters. He wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16.13, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. He says to the Galatians in Galatians 5 verse 1, For freedom Christ has set you free, stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul tells the Philippians in Philippians 1.27, I want to hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then again over in chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then finally Paul says later to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, So then brothers, stand firm firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letters you can just hear paul repeatedly say this to the believers what he was concerned about continually is stand firm stand firm stand firm paul was repeatedly concerned about whether believers were enduring in their faith and standing firm on the commandments of god and the testimony of jesus christ why because endurance is the fruit of saving faith So likewise, Paul here wanted to know, in the midst of all their testing, were these Thessalonians continuing in their faith? Were they being stable and steadfast? Were they not shifting from the hope of the gospel that had been delivered to them? Were they enduring? Were they believing? Were they saved? That's why verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. He's basically saying, I'm worried that the parable of the soils might be true and that Satan would rip this away from you. He was deadly afraid that the trials they were going through might show that they were shallow soil, fair weather followers, false believers. And then verse 6, his attitude completely changes. Because evidently, right before Paul started writing 1 Thessalonians, Timothy arrives back from Thessalonica. And it says in verse 6, And now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. I mean, he sees the Thessalonicans enduring under their hardship and it gives paul strength to endure under his now he knew they were standing fast their faith was enduring 
And you can, you can audibly hear his relief because listen to verse 8. That's where he says, For now we live if you are standing firm in the Lord, standing fast in the Lord. To hear that they were standing fast in their faith in the midst of persecution, it was as if Paul was revived and he had come back to life again. That's the language he's using here. The Thessalonians had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that was standing fast. That word stand fast, by the way, is a military term in the Greek. It refers to refusing to retreat when you're under attack. It means to stand strong. It means to endure. It's like the Battle of Bunker Hill, if you've ever like history, right? You're standing firm. You're not retreating in the face of opposition. The Thessalonians were doing that in the midst of all their hardship and all their struggle and all the attacks being leveled against them, both by Jews and by their own countrymen. They were showing the fruit of faith. They were enduring. No matter the trial, they were clinging fast to Christ and to His Word. This is important to remember. This is what true faith looks like. When you read those news articles and they say, well, because of COVID or because of the culture change or because of all these things, Christians are falling away. That's false. The reality is they never had faith in Jesus Christ because the fruit of faith is endurance. The fruit of faith is endurance. What we have is the true nature of hearts being revealed because of trials. But here the Thessalonians, in the midst of intense persecution, were demonstrating that supernatural grip of God called faith in their lives. They endured no matter what. And therefore Paul says in verse 9, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. I mean, this sounds like the Apostle John in 3 John uh, verse 4 when he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I have so much joy when I think about the endurance you Thessalonians are exhibiting in the midst of your hardship. And so what does Paul do with that joy? This is where we're coming back to the point of how we ought to pray and thank God for things in prayer. What does Paul do with that joy that he has when he thinks of the Thessalonians? Does Paul say, I congratulate you. And you know what? I want to praise you. I want to recognize you for what awesome believers you are. And I'm going to give you the lifetime Christian achievement of faith, right? Is that what Paul says here? No. No. He says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? What thanksgiving can we return to God for you? In other words, I'm going to thank God for you, and I'm going to keep on thanking Him and keep on thanking Him when I think of your enduring faith. Why would Paul say that? Why would he thank God for their enduring faith? I mean, surely the difference between those who stumble in their faith and those who endure is because we're so much stronger than them, right? (laughs) Why would Paul thank God for their enduring faith? It's because Paul recognized that their endurance as believers was a gift from God. That is the only way 
they were enduring their trials. It's because God was giving them endurance that they needed. God was giving them endurance. Endurance under trials comes straight from God. Colossians 1.11 says that we are strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for all endurance. See, enduring faith is not me holding on to God with all of my strength. Enduring faith is God holding on to me with all of His. Because enduring faith comes from Him. And that's why Romans 15.5 calls Him the God of all endurance. Why does He call Him the God of all endurance? It's because endurance, steadfastness, spiritual tenacity in the midst of trials comes from God and God alone. As 1 Peter 5.10 says, it is the God of all grace Himself who restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes us. As Jude 24 says, it is God alone who is able to keep you from stumbling. In other words, it is God alone who can make you stand firm and endure in your faith. It is God and God alone. And therefore Paul says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy we feel for your sake before our God. In other words, no matter how much thanksgiving we offer up to God, it will never, ever, ever be enough. He will, he will always be deserving of more thanksgiving because He is the one who is making you stand fast. He is the one who is giving you enduring faith. And He's the one that ought to be thanked for it. And so here we see that Paul offers up prayers of appreciation to God for the gift of enduring faith. And we ought to join Him in that tonight. We ought to join Him in that tonight. We are going to be looking at a list of of people who are undergoing hardships and trials in our body. And we ought to apply this passage to these concerns listed here in two ways, might I suggest. First, we ought to ask God to give the gift of enduring faith to those who are going through these trials. That God would make the people that are listed here steadfast, and spiritually tenacious in their devotion and dependence on Christ in the midst of their trials. Because He's the only one that can give them that type of endurance. And second, we ought to thank God for the gift of enduring faith that we already see in many of the individuals that are listed here. We ought to thank Him for the endurance and the steadfastness that they are showing to Christ in the midst of their trials because enduring faith can only come from God and he deserves to be thanked for it. And so let's do that tonight. Let's offer up to God tonight prayers of appreciation that God gives to us, his people in Christ, enduring faith.